1: Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus: Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code Acast for 20% off your first
0: purchase. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Better Health. I know in my life, therapy has helped me identify patterns to help me interrupt ones that I don't feel like are healthy and find better ways to cope. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com. Dot com slash sacred text today to get ten percent off your first month. That's better help H E L P dot com slash sacred text. Hi, Chloe. Hi, Vanessa. And welcome, everybody, to this special guest edition of The Women of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. We are lucky enough to be joined today by Duchess Chloe Angel of Coraville, Iowa, who is a contributing <laughs> editor for MarieClaire.com, and my low-key soulmate. We don't like to brag about that too much, though. I was going to sing the theme song. Yeah, 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 go. Doo
1: doo doo do.
0: How's that? amazing perfect
1: do you want to just like tell nick very kindly that we've gone in a different direction
0: <laughs> nick you've been replaced we found an acapella singer <laughs> she's got it cover. i got pipes for days <laughs> um are you gonna start like touring with us instead of nick and just like doing our sacred practice music our ad music all of it i think it's bigger than that i think we need to start a band <laughs> and what is what is the name of our band? The Loki Science. Duh. No, it's got to be like the Snitches or something. The basic Snitches. Wow. That was a little too quick. <laughs> I now think you stayed up all night brainstorming ideas for this. So, Chloe, we invited you here today to bless a woman of Harry Potter. And I am wondering who you would like to bless today and why.
1: I would like to bless Molly Weasley because of all the work that she does to nurture and feed the revolution.
0: Oh, I never thought of her like that. She is like the entire kitchen for the army.
1: The kitchen, the therapist, the person who gives everyone the sort of home and hearth that they need to go back out and fight. And I also want to bless her because she has a kind of wisdom and knowledge about the world that so often gets Discounted and silenced. Like, if you had a dollar for every time her husband or one of her sons is like, he'll be fine, Molly, don't fuss. And she's like, no, I, my fears and my concerns are based on real information. I'm not an irrational woman. Stop telling me to relax and smile more. It's so frustrating.
0: Do you mind pointing us to just like a moment in the text in which you feel as though Molly is demonstrating this brand of awesomeness? Yes.
1: Uh, there's a moment at the beginning of the sixth book where Dumbledore has gone to get Harry from the Dursleys and they've gone yeah. via Slughorn's house and then they come to the burrow in the middle of the night and Molly is awake and she's there at the table with Tonks and, like, she and Tonks have clearly been having, like, a deep and meaningful conversation about what we later realise is Tonks's like, romantic life. Mm-hmm. Um that is clearly affecting her mental health. And then Harry shows up, and she offers uh, Harry and Dumbledore some some food, some sustenance, some nourishment. Dumbledore goes on his way. She gives soup to Harry, and then Arthur comes home, and she cooks for him. And like she's been up all day cooking and cleaning and taking care of not just her own children, but all of the people that she has adopted it's such a vital contribution. And obviously I love not my daughter, you bitch. Everyone loves that line. It's a super badass moment, but that's just like the culmination of all the work that she's been doing throughout seven books to keep people fed and safe and loved and whole.
0: Yeah. And I was just visiting some friends of mine who are foster parents and they just brought up such an obvious point that I'd never thought about, which is like you don't get maternity leave as a foster mom. They got like a kid dropped off and they just like had to go to work the next day. And I Mm -hmm. feel like Molly is constantly dealing with that. Like she suddenly has to take Harriet and, and like there is no planning time. There's no adjustment period. There's just constant fires being put out
1: well, and the extra support that she does get is because Harry is special, not because she and her sacrifice are special. Like, when she when they get extra security from the ministry, it's not to make Molly's life easier. It's to protect Harry, the precious creature.
0: How do you think Molly does hold on to her sanity, right? Like, we don't see Molly with the self-care regimen. And, like, I don't understand how she hasn't sort of lost her mind, Right. Towards the end of the books, like, everybody on that clock is just in mortal danger. She is not talking to one of her sons. Her daughter has been, like, kidnapped and taken into the, like, bowels of hell. Her husband has been attacked. Like, she is keenly aware of how horribly wrong all of this can go. And yet she's still completely holding it together and is able to, when called, say, not my daughter, you bitch. Mm-hmm. Like, what is this strength? Like, where does it come from? I would be broken.
1: And I think we see instances of where, like, she's coming close to that. You know, there's the there's that scene at the beginning of Order of the Phoenix where they're, they're cleaning out the Black house. And she goes to try and dismiss the Boggart. And she just can't. Like, her fears too much for her and she just she just can't do it and it's kind of this moment where harry realizes what the stakes really are and you know he sees he sees molly in fear and i think he has the same response that the rest of us have which is that like molly's unbreakable nothing nothing can nothing can get to molly and then he sees her lose it and he's like oh man any one of these people could die or one or more but and i know that I know that you will appreciate this as someone who both enjoys and makes media for women. She does have a self-care regimen. She reads Witch Weekly. She reads Gilderoy Lockhart's books, not because she cares very much about how he vanquishes dark creatures, but because she has a thing for Gilderoy Lockhart. It's nothing compared to what it should be. You know, she's not like going for monthly massages and doing wizard sheet masks and taking wizard yoga, She's definitely not getting what she needs, but I do think we see her carving out time to do things that give her pleasure or at least distraction. And it's worth noting that gets made fun of. Mm
0: -hmm. Like
1: Witch Weekly gets dismissed as, you know, shoddy journalism and Gilderoy Lockhart gets revealed as a a fraud. Her self-care regimen is belittled and dismissed and that's hard to watch.
0: So part of me wants to be like, she must feel such a profound sense of satisfaction, though. Like, she is filling the bellies of children, and she is taking care of Tonks, who's a warrior. Part of me wants to sort of, like, make her this, like, angel of the house, right? That is Mm -hmm. just so sure of her place in the world, and that what she is doing is, like, a form of— Radical hospitality lived in perpetuity. But like the other part of me knows that that's nonsense and that we need outside validation in order to feel good about what we do. And like she deserves a statue, right? As like one of the heroes of this war, it's really hard to feel self-satisfied when the only thing you get at the end of filling bellies is like a sink full of dirty dishes. And here's the thing, if people were to make a statue to her, it would be her in battle with
1: a wand in her hand in the not my daughter, you bitch moment. Not her making soup, not her counselling tonks at the dinner table, not her like lugging the clock around, worrying every second of the day about the health and safety and lives of the people that she loves most in the world. All of that work goes, it's taken for granted. Like that sacrifice, that maternal sacrifice gets taken for granted and it's also a good reminder that this entire series is made possible by maternal sacrifice yeah like harry is who he is because his mother died trying to save him and voldemort is who he is because his mother like decided to give up her life for different reasons like over and over again in this series we see mothers taking huge risks for their kids Like lily does it molly does it narcissa does it and With the exception of Lily, everyone else's sacrifice is just taken as is just taken for granted. Like, that's just what mothers do.
0: Right. Like, there should just be statues all over the world of women making soup for the revolution. Right.
1: Yeah. And I and I think we you know, when we when we talk about the histories of movements, we so often often talk about the people who do. The public facing work, the marching in the streets, the giving speeches at rallies, the, you know, standing on the front lines of a protest and the contributions of women, which are often to like stand in the background or to make food or to be the sort of emotional support system of the important men who are out doing important things, those contributions so often get sidelined and made invisible or downplayed and it's a it's a tough line to walk right because you want to recognize women's revolutionary capacity to stand on the front lines and lead rallies and give speeches and things like that and also those aren't the only kinds of labor that matter and then it's not the only kind of contributions to resistance or to revolution that matter and those big important men out on the front lines couldn't do what they're doing if they didn't have wives and I don't mean I mean like the person playing the role of wife. I don't necessarily mean the actual wives or even women, but you need that domestic support system in order to go out into the world and do capital G, capital T great things.
0: And you know, the people who are left behind by the people who are off doing the great things, their lives are made harder by the Gandhis and the Martin Luther Kings and Gandhi's children, like, never got proper educations because they were busy following him around from, like, India to South Africa and South Africa back to India. And he made a vow of poverty, which meant that he couldn't afford to educate his children, even though he had gone to England and gotten a law degree, right? Like, and so like there are always, like, familial victims to, quote, unquote, great men or these great causes, hmm. It, in order to do great things, the people closest to you are being sacrificed, right? right?
1: And I think when women do it, that sacrifice is either fetishized or just taken to granted and not even seen or heard or talked about or memorialized in statues. It's just what mothers do or what wives do.
0: And when women are the people out there doing the great things— it's why aren't you home with your children, right? Mm -hmm. Like, where are your kids right now? Right. Um, So there's a complete double bind in that. So what do you think, like, I mean, obviously offering a blessing to Molly, I think is a lovely way to be honoring her. And, like, you know, I hope that some women listening are feeling themselves in Molly and know that we want to honor the sacrifices that they make in order for other things to happen. But— like, what do you think a real an appropriate honor for Molly within the wizarding world would be? I mean, I keep thinking about Eliza Hamilton and like an orphanage,
1: mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, some other kind of systemic caregiving facility or organization that would relieve individual women of doing what Molly was sort of stringing together on a shoestring her, her, her whole time you know, sacrifice sounds like it's a one-time thing and, it, and it's done to you, sort of let it happen, it's done to you. But actually, it's an ongoing series of choices that you have to keep making and they keep being painful. And, you know, it's an, it's a nice way to think of the work that Molly's doing as active and involved, even though she's not sort of out casting spells on bad guys. I don't know, sort of like a like a living memorial rather than a statue. Statue is like cool. I mean, cool, but like what do they do?
0: I love that idea. The the Molly Weasley, you know, soup kitchen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or like school for activism or school for resistance. Or you know, like something and this is why I think this is why people love the DA, is that it's not a thing, it's an organization. Mm -hmm. It is a like a living, progressing entity it's not an amulet you know but there's the language in the in the book about how he feels like he's carrying around a talisman but it's yeah. not a static thing it, it the reason it's so comforting is not because it's a like a a medal or something it's a living breathing active organization so yeah. that's what i that's what i think the quote statue to Molly Weasley would be
0: yeah i mean i'm just thinking that the only time that we really see Molly acknowledged for her genius is When Arthur has been attacked, I don't remember who says it to Dumbledore, but somebody says, you know, like somebody should tell Molly. And he says she probably already knows that great clock of hers. And I feel like Dumbledore knows that like Molly has made this clock and that there is like sophisticated magic involved in creating a system by which she can know what is going on with her family. He's in that one line sort of honoring her genius of caretaking and so i was just thinking i like your answer better but my answer is um like i would want that clock in the smithsonian
1: here's what i want i want it
0: patented and sold to wizarding families everywhere
1: and for molly to get all the royalties and put them in a self-care fund and to spend (laughs) them only on herself and (laughs) only on vacations where she doesn't have children to take care of
0: Except that Molly being Molly, she would donate half of it to the Molly Weasley School for the next generation of advocates. Okay, we'll have to come up with a better name and acronym for that, because that's... I'm a great namer of things, Chloe. Sorry. So, Chloe, as always, we like to end with a game on Women of Harry Potter and the Secret Text. And so I have made up a game, and as per usual, I have named it so well and succinctly and aptly because I'm great at naming things. And it is called Which Animal Is Taking Care of Their Babies in This Way? Wow, you are (laughs) good at naming things. I know. Okay, so it's a multiple choice quiz. So, question one. What animal can fit up to 15 babies on its body for transport? A, a grizzly bear, B. Opossum, C. Beavers, D. Elephants. It's got to be a possum. Yes, it is an opossum. Well yes. done, you. Thank you. I can't believe you didn't fall for my grizzly bear. You know, elephant was close. I was, I was wavering. Yeah. Okay. Question two: What animals make sure to have several mom figures in their babies' lives? A. Polar bears. B wombats, C elephants, D beavers.
1: Okay. I know what the right answer is, but you've also chosen my favorite animal in the world as one of the wrong answers. Correct I did. <laughs> because my patronus is a wombat. I feel like this is really unfair. Because I know. it's not the right that's not the right answer. The correct answer is elephants. But <laughs> you tried to trick me. I didn't try to trick you, I tried to lure you. Okay, you tried to lure me into talking about the greatest creatures in the history of creatures,
0: the Australian wombat. Okay. Okay, question Number three. 3. So far you are getting 100% and it's a four question quiz, so best of luck to you. Okay. Question 3. What babies live with their moms for decades? A, millennials, B, penguins, <laughs> C, elephants, D, orangutans. Millennials, <laughs> that you know, it's a trick question because that is correct, but but so is elephants, <laughs> right? Or orangutans, I don't know. It's orangutans, but it is also millennials, so we will accept both <laughs> answers. And I think that you get a bonus point for getting both answers correct. So, with a possible five out of four score, Chloe, here is your last question. I'm ready. Which underwater creature whispers to its young, A, a humpback whale, B, a dolphin, C, turtles, D, manatees? Oh, man. Humpbacks. Okay, you're so annoying. You've got five out of four. (laughs) Well, Dr. Chloe Angel, thank you so much for being on this first guest episode of the Women of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, and thank you so much for blessing our dear Molly Weasley. Thank you for having me, and bless you, Vanessa and Ariana, for
1: creating this podcast and for letting me come hang out with you. It's super fun. Yeah. Wombats forever.
0: In two weeks' time, you can find me, Vanessa, blessing somebody on Patreon. I haven't decided who yet, so... Come to Patreon to find out who I will be blessing in two weeks. This episode of The Women of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text was co-produced by Ariana Nettleman and me, Vanessa Zoltan. Our music is by Nick Boll. And this is a production of Not Sorry Productions with Night Vale Presents. We will talk to you all in two weeks on Patreon and in a month right here. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Redfin. Let's say for some reason... Redfin, it's how Molly found the burrow. Download the Redfin app to get started.